Hey, St. Paul, welcome to our podcast. This is episode seven on our study of the Holy Spirit, specifically centered around the sustaining and maintaining power of the Holy Spirit. I'm joined today with Emily Trotter and Laura Marvetz. Laura, yeah, Laura Marvetz <laughs> is here with us today, and um, she's been standing outside our door each week, just kind of peeking in. You could see it on her eyes that she really wanted to be a part of this. So, Laura, thank she's you. She's our groupie. Yeah, she sure is. Thank you, Laura, for being here with us today. What say you today? How are you? I am good. And yes, I have been just standing outside the door begging to be part of this podcast because y'all are just so awesome. Yeah, see, that's why we have her. <laughs> that's exactly right. After episode one, we closed the door. But, <laughs> but we are glad that you are here with us today and welcome also to Emily. Uh, and can, uh, it, you were just saying just before we started, episode seven is that magic number of completeness, right? Right. I hope this isn't it, though. <laughs> We've left a lot unsaid about the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit, if seven today is going to be complete. We, we started this centered around the idea of the work of the Holy Spirit in Acts, and here we are just kind of... Chapter two. The shallow end, <laughs> the shallow end of, uh, of um, the water. When it comes to the Holy Spirit in Acts, but we are in in Acts, and uh, we are talking about the Holy Spirit. We uh, centered this whole study around that promise that Jesus gave his disciples when they asked that stupid question: "Is this the time when you will restore Israel to us?" And Jesus said, "It's not for you to know the day or the time that uh, that this all will take place, but is this contrast? But this is what I want you to hear: You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes." Upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what we see here are two truths that are in the future tense. They are promises. You will receive power and you will be my witness. Not if you will receive power or if the Holy Spirit comes, but when the Spirit comes, this will happen. They go to Jerusalem and they wait. And while waiting, uh, Emily, what were they doing in Jerusalem in this quite an unsafe place for them to be? Just so close to the res or crucifixion of Jesus. What were they doing while they were waiting? They were all united in prayer. They were in agreement. They were in that community of their fellow believers, the 11 and then their hangers honors like Laura, um, that were just coming, coming in and being with them. They were and, and I want to know that I want to know what that group looked like, actually. You know, they say with some of the other women and, you know, Mary, the mother of Jesus was there. So you, this I just I think about that community and what it felt like in that room. And they're in there all of one heart and one mind and they're united in prayer and what that must have felt like. I just, it blows my mind. It's one of those questions when I get to heaven, I want to be like, okay, what was that like? I, what did y'all feel? What, I mean, what, uh, how did you make it through those days just waiting and praying? I'm imagining in heaven that there's this DVR up there. <laughs> That I can go ahead, okay, go back to Pentecost. Let's watch this happen. But one of the things that is so important for, and it's even a discipline of our Christian faith, is 
what Richard Foster calls reliving the scripture. And as you meditate on scripture and as you read through it is imagining yourself, what would it have been like there to been if I was there yeah. and I had, and I could smell the smells and I could see the people and I could hear what was going on. And even though the writer is not drawing your attention to something, but you notice something, what would you notice in the background like at the yeah. feeding of the 5,000, would kids be playing ball in the distance, unaware of things that were happening? Yeah. Oh, I've never thought about that. And that is so true about, um, as you read it, trying to imagine yourself in the crowd, trying to imagine yourself there as a spectator or one of the 5,000 that's being fed. Um And I think, too, I mean, because we just were talking about being in Israel and gosh, if you get a chance, you have to go. You just have to go. It changes because that was the first time that you that I was able to say, oh, that's where this happened. Oh, my gosh. I can actually kind of feel that, too. I mean, because I have a pretty, pretty vivid imagination anyway. And so I can picture things. But then to actually be in those places where you can see the steps that Jesus walked out of, like the literal actual stones that were there when Jesus went in and out of Caiaphas's house that are there now. And you can look at them and see them and imagine his feet hitting those stones. I mean, it's just amazing. Oh, it takes us back. And, and, and one of the things that, that the scripture says in that passage in 114 is all of these that were waiting, you said that uh, you're one of the translations as they had committed themselves, they were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women, Mary and the mother of Jesus and uh, his brothers. There's this sense of anticipating. There's this sense of embracing the promises while waiting in the reality of the experience that we're going through. Yeah. So, Laura, tell us a little bit about what you're learning about the Holy Spirit and how God is revealing himself through uh, the Holy Spirit. Naturally, we all know that we have Jesus and we have God and we have the Holy Spirit and there's this Trinity. But um, I think for me personally, sometimes I forget that the Holy Spirit is also Christ in us. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's really easy to kind of almost separate the three. Yeah. And um, so I think about Jesus and I think about he's the one that you know, that gave his life for me. He's the the one that has bridged that gap so that I can have that relationship with the Father. But I think personally, recently, I've really learned that the Holy Spirit is the one that allows Christ to be in me, which means mm -hmm. I don't always have to rely on my own strength, that yeah. it's not about Laura, mm -hmm. and it's not about Laura doing what Laura can do, and that it it falls on me. And so um, recognizing when you when you think about that verse, Galatians 2.20, where it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Really thinking about that's what the Holy Spirit does. And it allows Christ to be in us so that he's doing the work through us. And I feel like most people like understand that. But for me recently, I really had to understand that it's not about my efforts and like his power comes and lives in me and is used through me. And it's yeah. not anything that I have to do. And I know that sounds, as I said, kind of basic in some ways, basic knowledge. But for me, I feel like I've just really experienced the freedom 
of that recently, Mm -hmm. that it's not Laura having to do all these things, Mm -hmm. that it's Christ and like, let him do the work. You're just the messenger. You're just the one that's delivering, um, his words. You're just being his hands and feet. You're living out what he is doing through you. There's something about what happens, uh, when we grasp a hold of that, if we embrace that reality, that it actually has a power or a strength on how we see tomorrow. It it gives us the security of knowing that it doesn't rise and fall on us and on our shoulders, that we can bask in this, this relationship that's strengthened, that's made possible through the death and the resurrection of Christ, the sending of the Holy Spirit to come. And as Paul writes in Ephesians, it's Christ in us. That becomes this hope of glory. It's very freeing. It is. It is very freeing. So here we are in Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in this one place they were anticipating embracing. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Going back to our DVR, man, yeah. wouldn't that wouldn't that have been <laughs> really awesome to see? It's like that THX sound. Is that it? THX at the beginning of movies where it goes, <laughs> where you just have to go, oh gosh, that's loud. It's like they cut that sound on extra because it hadn't been on while you've been waiting yes. for the movie to start. But there it comes. You know, the movie's coming when that big <laughs> sound comes. <laughs> of course, I'm also picturing the minions falling over. But you know. <laughs> but there, there's this place here that they're waiting, they're anticipating, they're embracing that promise, they're praying, they're devoting themselves, and they're in an unsafe place. And what happens is all of a sudden, there came from heaven this sound of this wind that is rapidly moving into this this room. Uh, John Frame is a theologian and a professor, and I read one of his lectures that he gives on the doctrine of God and theology, talking about multi-perspectivism. And I think he coined that word. Uh, I might be missing what that word is, but it's this idea that when we walk into a room, we can only see things from one perspective. It's our perspective. And, And we have to, one of the process of unpacking what's happening is being able to see things from different perspectives, to see, well, when we think of God, God already has every perspective he sees. He just doesn't see from his perspective. He sees from all perspectives. It's like he even sees from the the gnat on the side of the wall, that perspective and what it must have been like. This is the experience that happens in this room. And they and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. What's the significance of the entire house being filled? Well, first of all, let me just comment on that perspective point that you just made about. I mean, hallelujah. That God can sit back and know the hearts and minds of every person in a situation. And so he can go, here's how I need to move. Here's where I can, here's what needs to happen now. That's, I mean, wow, that's just amazing to me. And how scared we are sometimes that, God, you don't know my perspective. You don't know what I'm... You don't know what this feels like. I know that you're the God of everything, but you don't know how I feel right now. You don't know what this is like. And 
just because we've talked about the God who sees and the God who hears us. We've talked about that already um, in the past few weeks. And it's like just thinking about that perspective and remembering that he sees, he knows, he is fully aware of every aspect that we are being up against and that we are, you know, enduring through and um, and the outcomes and what's going to happen on the other side of it is just. And I would also add that the book that you and I, Emily, are working on for our girls Bible study is by Annie F. Downs, and it's called Perfectly Unique. Mm. And going along with that. God, it's, she talks about in the book how God is a God of detail yeah. and that he understands and sees every little detail about every little thing. And when you're saying like how you don't know my situation, God, and you don't know, no, he knows every little thought. He knows yeah. every little insecurity, mm-hmm. every doubt that you have, every concern you have about the unknown in the future. He sees and knows all of those little details. Yeah. Yeah. And how to make people understand, you know, how to make people to understand that, you know, I mean, because I'm, I mean, I'm 43. (laughs) It's taken, I didn't just get where I am now. I mean, it's taken a lot of heartache and a lot of tears and a lot of, you know, hoping and wishing and praying and yelling at God to be able to say, oh, I have this freedom. Oh, I have this confidence. Oh, I know that the Lord is working everything for my good, for his glory and his purpose. It's taken a long time to get there. And that's why I hope with this that whoever might be listening to us will get a glimpse and start digging deeper and start waiting for that revelation, for that knowledge, for the Holy Spirit, for them to be able to hear it and feel it and then put it into use and say, oh, oh, I can, I can do all that. I have that. I, you know, I can rest in knowing that the Lord's on my side and that he's working in me, around me, hopefully through me to work his plan And it boggles my mind to think about being involved at all in any kind of plan that God might have. I mean, what do I do with that? I mean, who who am I? And I think once you get to that level where you recognize that, it really blows your mind. Yeah. Because then at that point, you're like, oh, my gosh, he wants to use me. Yeah. Like, I get to be a part of this. Yeah. And then you take it as this moment of... Oh my gosh, what an honor. Yeah. Well, and John, you know, because <laughs> you have that background in youth ministry, and here's Laura in youth ministry. That's <laughs> a lot. No pressure. Could you please bring our children to Christ and make sure that they know the Holy Spirit and that they're walking in a good way, you know, making those good choices. You know, it's one thing to just preach to adults. It's one thing to sit in a in a room and, and lead a Bible study or to, you know, go over scripture with somebody to send somebody a text or to sit next to somebody in church and really enjoy the music that's played that Sunday. But to have that burden of young minds and trying to encourage them to reach out and find the Holy Spirit. I mean, you guys, gosh, pat's off. I'm going to clap. <laughs> I mean, how do y'all do that? Laura, do you ever feel frustrated that they don't get it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, Emily, that it that goes back to my point earlier about Christ in me. That, yeah. that takes the burden 
that has taken the burden off of it for me because I realize that it's not about me. It's about what he's doing through me. But yes, I get frustrated because a lot of times, and I know John, you have also probably experienced this too. We're planting seeds. And so a lot of times we're not going to witness and see what we're, what we're planting. We just have to have that faith and that trust that every single week, every single Sunday, every time we text a kid, every time we reach out that they're, they're receiving something, something is going in, something is, is retaining in their brain, little, little nuggets of some sort yeah, and, and praying that that slowly will accumulate and when life gets hard at times that they will actually use everything that has been said to them that they've been taught john is that why you got out of youth ministry (laughs) (laughs) not really no Uh, youth ministry even adult ministry uh is youth ministry to people with wrinkles do not that, have wrinkles. That is it, yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's the same type of thing. Uh, the expectation, so. yeah, the right. expectation of, of planting seeds. But the other thing that gives us uh, our soul sanity is mm-hmm. this this emptying of ourselves before the throne of God, saying, "I know it's not me. I know it's not about me. It's not about um, what I am able to bring. But hide me behind the cross. Allow mm-hmm. me to become transparent, and allow me to trust you to make the plants grow. Yeah. To allow me one when I decided to go to youth ministry back in 1991." A woman shared with me uh, uh, some advice that I've never forgotten. And I can still see the the room and, and where we are. I can still see this unfold. And she said, John, this is one of the most tough, most difficult, one of the most difficult areas of ministry because you may plant seeds that you never are able to reap the fruit of. Mm-hmm. But don't give up. Don't yeah. give up. Continue. Right. Well, and you you talking about being emptied out of yourself, pouring all of that out. I guess that has to be something that happens as these this group sat in this upper room. They had to have felt pretty empty and pretty depleted and just worn out with the waiting, with the whole situation that it, that had just come, um, that they had just been through. And being empty and pouring yourself out at the foot of the cross and then being filled, that allows the room for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That idea of, I got to empty this out so I can have more room. I got to get rid of these dregs at the bottom of my coffee pot so I can fill it up and make new and be better. It's not like these folks in the upper room had nothing else to do. Yeah. I mean, we think that that they got here and they're just waiting because they really had no other thing to do. Maybe they'll uh, play a couple games or something like that mm-hmm. and play charades <laughs> around yeah. in the upper room and stuff. I mean, they had 
professional fishermen that could have went back to business and done yeah. done their business. They uh, in in the fishing arena. They they you had uh, people that might have heard the call to wait as go and do something. They felt that, okay, Jesus wants us to be witnesses. And and so we're going to go to Jerusalem. We're going to go to Judea without the waiting time. There is so much at stake when it comes to our spiritual health and spiritual well-being. When we skip over that those moments of prayer and praise and anticipation and obedience and mm-hmm. studying and, and, and allowing ourselves to just be prepared mm-hmm. for that moment to come to come and yeah. so here this this room is filled as acts tells us suddenly it, there came from heaven this this from heaven the sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the bedroom the kitchen the sitting room the gr- i mean i'm i can still see the upper room in our mind's eye yeah. when we were there but it filled the entire house well and so much so that outside people heard it and we're like what is that? Who, who? Where is it coming from? Um, one of the translations that I read, and it may have been the New King James Version, said that people came. They came to see where, let's find out where that noise is. They didn't have that neighborhood app where you say, hey, anybody <laughs> hear that? Who's shooting off fireworks? Um, they didn't have that. They had to go out and search it out to see what was happening. What a beautiful image to see that all <laughs> happening And at that moment when the Holy Spirit comes, it fills the entire house. Now, what's interesting in this passage, because just kind of skip down just a few verses, we're going to talk about wind and the the images of fire and the images of wind. We're probably not going to get to that on today's episode, but we're already behind. (laughs) We the the wind comes in and fills the entire house where they were sitting, and then it says, and later on in verse four, it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what's interesting is these two words are not the same in Greek. These two words are entirely different words. They have the same idea, but they were they were different. They're different words, and um, and so here's the the first one where it talks about the mighty rushing wind that fills the entire house. It comes from the word plerao, that means to make full. And the similar cross references throughout Scripture. Is like Luke 3, 5, that says where Jesus is quoting Isaiah, where every valley should be filled. There's this idea of it being leveled or a room being filled with a fragrance uh, or in Acts 5, 28, when um, the John and Peter are standing before the religious leaders and the accusation against James and John, or rather Peter and John, is that they had filled Jerusalem. They had filled Jerusalem with their teaching. And then this uh, Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply, plerao, fill like a mighty rushing wind, filling the entire house, every need of yours according to his riches and in G- glory in Christ Jesus. I mean, we cannot hide from God. This is, this is something that is so beautiful in the imagery of the Old Testament. When it's Psalm 139, it says, where can I go to escape your spirit? Or in Jeremiah 23.24, where it says, 
Can a man hide himself in a secret place that God cannot see him? Do I not fill plerao, the heavens and the earth? I mean, think of all of this beautiful imagery that's happening here that they were able to recognize when it comes to this filling of that room with that mighty rushing wind. Gosh, and what, and thinking about being so filled that there's no room for anything else. There's no room for any of the other junk. Um, Something that I read, uh, this was by Jensen Franklin. He said, a wind came down from elsewhere. It was a wind that cleansed everything, that made everything fresh and alive, and that swept out old dead religion. It was a wind that brought joy to their hearts and a wind that brought power and anointing to their words. I mean, it cleansed them in that moment and filled them with, I mean, how did they not just, I mean, it's so, it, you think, of course, when when that happened, of course they started speaking out. Of course they started mm-hmm. doing things. Of course other people were running to see what the noise and the commotion were because they were full to overflowing. Now, here's what's interesting, that at this point in this verse, the whole the wind, whether it's a metaphor for the Holy Spirit rushing in, but the wind is still external of them. They're recognizing that it's happening. They're recognizing the flames coming down. They're recognizing the mighty rushing wind, that cleansingness of, of and people even outside the, the room. Mm-hmm. They're all recognizing what's happening. And I don't know the time period. How long was it? Five minutes? Was it a split second? Was it you know 90 seconds between the house being filled with the wind, the mighty rushing wind from heaven and them being filled with the Holy Spirit because the two words, as I was mentioning, are They're different. different. Mm-hmm. So that when the plera of the house being filled, that was still that external thing that was happening. They, you can recognize this was happening around them. And then they get to, then they were filled with, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Not just the men, not just the women, not just the apostles, not just those who put in the time of mm-hmm. spending three years with Jesus, not even the ones who were deserving of it. Yeah. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this Greek word, pimplemi, has this idea to cause, that there's this external effect that has this cause to be completely full. I can't tell you how many times my kids drive their car and they come to a point and say, well, my gas tank is empty, Dad. (laughs) Well, I dream a genie. I'll just nod and I'll make it happen, okay? No, you cannot just wish something to be full. Yeah. There's there's this external thing that happens to cause it to be full, you know? Yeah. Maybe you should go and slide your little plastic card at the, gr- <laughs> the gas station and fill it up, cause it to be full. That's That, that requires plane. an action. It does, doesn't it? Got to have action to fill something. So there's preparation. There's this action, the preparation of prayer, the action. Here's the interesting imagery throughout the New Testament that comes from this pimplaney, this, uh, this to cause. This is what the, the word is, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke 5, 7, when Jesus comes and calls Peter and James, um, this miraculous catching of the fish, uh, the, the scripture says, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And play me. 
my beautiful one, the, the one that I love the most is Matthew 27. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, the centurion took a sponge and filled the sponge with some, uh, some the sour wine, put it on a, a hyssop and, and let Jesus drink from it. Now think of a sponge. <laughs> it wasn't a cup. It was, it was a sponge that when you put it in, it's not like he took sour wine and poured it on the sponge. You took the sponge and you put it in a bucket. So here they are in this room and it's filled. And now they become this sponge that just soaks it up. And when was the last time you took a sponge out of a bucket of water and water did not drip out of it? Never. Never. It's always the same effect. It is always the same. It's never <laughs> not that way. <laughs> so how many times do we live through our Christian life and we get, we, we sense. Now, I, know, I believe personally that when we receive 100% of the Holy Spirit at uh, conversion, it's our own progressive re- resistance that, that pushes back on that. But how many times that we, we feel the presence of God around us, we see God working around us. And we even start to soak some up and then we get a little apprehensive and we take the sponge out of the water and we wring it out because mm-hmm. we don't want to drip it. Don't make a mess. I mean, think of the significance of, of wringing out this, this, this spirit and not allowing it to break through. <sighs> There's a negative effect yeah. of this word. Um, it's, Acts 5, 3, this is the first Greek word that was used in filling the house. Ananias and Sapphira. Mm. Ananias in verse 3 comes to Peter, tells this lie. And Peter says, Ananias, your heart has been filled. Plerao, saturated all around you, has been filled by Satan to lie to the Holy Spirit. Have you, and I say this and ask this question because I live into this all the time, how often I'm willing to embrace the cheapness of my grace Mm. than to go into the extravagant riches of God's mercy and forgiveness and redemption and kindness yeah. And aliveness. Well, it's like you said to me, we give Satan so much ground. We give him so much ground that isn't his because we don't stand and say, uh-uh, this is mine. This is the Lord's. You can't have this. You can't touch this. You have no business being here. We give him so much ground to cause doubts and to say, like an Ananias to say, God doesn't need to know you got, he doesn't know how much you did this for. You can keep a little bit to yourself. I mean, that's just good. That's just good business. That's just good business for you to do this. He tells us these lies. He's this deceiver. He's like, as John 10, 10 says, he is crouching and he is I guess that doesn't say it. That's not what John 10, 10 says. <laughs> no, it's, uh, no, he it, has it, come, he come to, to steal and kill right. and destroy. But God has come that we can have life and life abundantly. So 
what we let him take, what we let him kill, what we let him destroy and knock down, what we let him wring out from us, that we don't get all that he has. And we're willing to surrender, surrender that ground. We're willing to let it go. A pastor friend of mine was preaching. I was listening to him this past Sunday, and he, he brought up this passage in Genesis. And, and it was like, it was after the fall of Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve have two, the first two children are Cain and Abel. Cain, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of fruit of the ground, and Abel uh, also brought the firstborn of flock and the fat portions, and the Lord regarded for Abel's and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry. Mm-hmm. Find just about, I can't think of one area, but just think about probably most of the areas in our lives, the root is that pride. That root is, as C.S. Lewis, every other vice is a mere flea bite when it comes to (laughs) pride, the sin of pride, that great sin. And here is Cain. He is angry and his face fell. He became downcast. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin is crouching mm-hmm. at your door and its desire mm-hmm. is contrary to you. Mm-hmm. You must rule over it. And so this is what the God, what our gracious God does when he gives us this spirit, his spirit to sustain us, to maintain us, to be um, his hands and his feet And it's received through this process of anticipation, embracing prayer and praise and and worship and and seeing what's happening around us and embracing that, that it fills us in such a way that we start to drip the Holy Spirit from us in our day-to-day lives of going to Publix or Walmart or baseball games or football (laughs) games or school, wherever we find ourselves, it starts to drip. Make a mess. May my mess be made by the Lord. (laughs) May I leave that wetness, (laughs) that mess from my sponge being dripping and leaving little bits of the Holy Spirit behind. Laura, what are your take-homes from today? I think one thing that I remember, particular when when COVID first happened, um, was just in my mind. I was thinking, okay, we have a little bit more time to, you know, be at home. Which mm-hmm. means for me, I was like, okay, yes, I get to study more, I get to read more, and you know, I get to spend more time in prayer and just like take my time, really. Um, and I remember one thing that I kept the a word that God kept putting in my heart was, um, to not be stagnant, you know, where when you're stagnant, you're just basically still and, and you're not moving and there's not this river kind of flowing mentality. And basically I remember him saying, I want you to be overflowing. And when y'all were talking about the sponge, it kind of reminded me of the same thing in the sense of, you know, that's, that sponge is dripping to the point where it's overflowing to where it goes 
wherever it goes, it's just pouring out. And in the same way, kind of like a cup, you know, if your cup is overflowing, it's just pouring everywhere else. But it's in the season, you know, for the last few months with COVID, it's in that preparation. It's spending that time with him waiting, not really knowing what the future holds exactly, but I'm going to use this time to praise him. I'm going to use this time to study. I'm going to use this time to be patient and wait, and I'm going to be filled up during this time. And then so when the time comes for whenever I'm needed or used or when the Holy Spirit wants to overflow out of me, I'm ready because I'm fully soaked up all the way or I am fully got John's Bible and he's looking at me like, that's my Bible (laughs) Um, to the point where I'm just able to just drip and overflow everywhere I go. So I think for me, just that reminder um, of spending time in the word and doing all of those things, the the waiting and the prayer um, and studying so that, as John said, when we go to Publix, all those different things, we're just dripping and overflowing Mm -hmm. constantly wherever we go. It always reminds me of that verse, um, Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Hmm. And that abundance. And we've talked before, you know, about the overflowing that well, the water, the overflowing and how it spills out into everything, like you were just saying. I think the beautiful take home for me is is similar to what you both have said. And it's this idea that it does not originate inside of me. Yeah, right. Spirit comes. Spirit, when we were first starting this series, we, we looked at Ephesians 3, and it's Paul's second prayer to the church in Ephesus was that they may be strengthened with power, the power and the strength to recognize and have their hearts enlightened to comprehend the love of Christ. So it even begins with God. God's not waiting to say, okay, here's the facts, now believe. No, he's, he's working all around us and experiencing this. And, and it's all through scripture, this, this lavishing, this riches of his grace and his great love according to the purpose of his will. Because that's what he says through Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, where he says, in, redemption we ha- we, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which now he's going back and looking at the, the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. And that idea that even if you feel that you have filled up, there's still more lavished. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. Special thanks to Laura Marvetz for being with us Woo-hoo. and certainly <laughs> our fearless co-host, Emily Trotter. <laughs> Thank you, Emily, for joining us today. My bestie. <laughs> <laughs> and our prayer is that God would continue to remind you who he is and that he is yours and you are his. Live this week in such a way that the grace and the riches of God given to us through the power of his Holy Spirit fill you and drips out of you, pours out of you wherever you may find yourself this week. God bless.